The scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 35 to 45. James and John, Zebedee's sons, came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They said, Allow one of us to sit on your right and the other on your left when you enter your glory. Jesus replied, You don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or receive the bath baptism I receive? We can, they answered. Jesus said, you will receive, you will drink the cup I drink and receive the baptism I receive. But to sit at my right or my left hand isn't mine to give. It belongs to those for whom it has been prepared. Now, when the other ten disciples heard about this, they became angry with James and John. Jesus called them over and said, You know that the ones who are considered the rulers by the Gentiles show off their authority over them, and their high-ranking officials order them around. But that's not the way it will be with you. Whoever wants to be great among you will be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you will be the slave for all. For the human one didn't come to be served, but rather to serve and to give his life to liberate many people. This is the word of the Lord. Will you please pray with me? God of truth, God of light, we give thanks for your presence that saturates our world and fills our lives. And we pray that through your spirit and your presence, we will hear your word for us today. Amen. So our scripture begins with James and John going up to Jesus and asking him if he will do whatever it is they're about to ask him to do. This, this like totally reminds me of being a kid when my sister would come up to me and say, open your mouth and close your eyes and I'll give you a big surprise. Like, you do not open your mouth and close your eyes unless you absolutely know what's coming. Or, I don't know, maybe you, you do it once when you're young and still trust your sister and think, oh, maybe, maybe it's candy. I, I bet it's candy. I should do it. It's never candy. There is a reason the lead is buried. There's a reason James and John aren't telling Jesus what they want. They probably know that asking to sit at his right and left hand won't be a good look. But, but honestly, I don't think they're really thinking this through. They're scared. This, uh, this section of Mark 10 comes right at the end of uh, like basically a series of conversations and teaching between Jesus and the disciples. And in, right here is the third time that Jesus has predicted his death. And the disciples each time are kind of freaked out by it. And he's just done this right like in the verses right beforehand. So James and John just, they want to know that everything is going to be okay. They want to be assured that, that the story will end well. Jesus doesn't offer assurance. Instead, he goes the other way. He tells the disciples that they have 
no idea what they're asking for. Or he tells that to James and John, but then the other disciples get mad, so Jesus sits them down for a, a lesson on leadership. He tells them to look around and see how those in power abuse their power. But, but that's not how it should be with them. If they want to be great, they should serve others. And upon the first reading of this text, it, it might sound like Jesus is saying that greatness comes from service, not power. It, it might sound like two roads lay before the disciples, and they need to choose which road they will follow, the road of power or the road of service. But that's not quite what Jesus is saying. Jesus isn't rejecting power. He's rejecting power without responsibility. Like, as a whole, Jesus is not against power. Jesus, and just for example, Jesus doesn't scold James and John for wanting to be great. He tells them they don't understand greatness. Greatness is not just having power. Greatness is using power responsibly to serve others. Because that's what Jesus does. Jesus has lots of power. Jesus, I mean, he's got divine power to heat, perform miracles. He has what we call referent power, which is the power a leader has to influence their followers. He's got enough political power to threaten the Roman government. And in this passage, Jesus is he's totally comfortable with the image of him ruling from a throne. He just wants to make sure the disciples understand how he uses that rule, that power, to serve others. So Jesus doesn't shy away from his power. He's telling the disciples, use your power to serve. And yeah, he's warning against power for the sake of power, because they can just look at how the oppressive Gentile leaders use that power. In short, Jesus wants the disciples to use the power they have to serve. So how does that translate for us? Like, how do we use our power to serve? Or, or what if we don't have power? Well, there, there are absolutely situations in which people are forced to serve because they lack power, and that's exploitive and oppressive, and we'll get to that later. But often, we have power whether or not we're aware of it. Sometimes we have power, but we actually prefer that we don't have the power to serve others, or sometimes we prefer to believe that we have no power to stop serving others. But uh, often we have power, and we're just not quite comfortable with it, or we can't quite see it. Sometimes that's because of, like, our power is the result of systemic injustice. That's a good reason to be kind of uncomfortable. Like, there is power in being a cis, straight, white man who's a part of dominant culture. So it can feel guilty or awkward to embrace that power and name it. Other times, our power isn't because of injustice, but we still feel kind of uncomfortable with it because of how this same kind of power has been used to abuse and exploit others. I'll give an example of this. Uh, for the last, like, I don't know, six years or so, I've facilitated or taught classes for clergy on healthy boundaries. 
And the largest section of this training we do is on power and authority. Because for decades, the church, particularly the mainline church, has responded to the abuse of power by distancing themselves from power. Pastors didn't want to see themselves as like authority figures telling people what they were allowed to believe or how they were allowed to behave. So a lot of pastors worked hard to act as if they didn't have power and believed they didn't have power. But the reality is that people come to their pastor for spiritual advice, and, and there's power in that. And it's not just clergy who have power. I mean, folks who work in healthcare, teachers, and those that care for our children, the, the bus driver who sees us running towards the bus stop has the power to wait or pull away. I mean, having experience raising kids is a power that could help new parents. Having free time on a Saturday is the power to help your elderly neighbor rake leaves or volunteer. You see where I'm going. Most of us have some form of power. And when we're not aware of our power, we can't be thoughtful or intentional about using it to serve others. And often, actually, we end up hurting others when we don't realize the power we have. Because if we don't know we have power, it's hard to use it well. To faithfully serve others, we need to find the power we have, which, as I mentioned, that can be hard because of how our culture thinks about those in power, or just because we want to see our, free, our day off as our free time, not as an opportunity to serve. And there are other times where we're uncomfortable with power because uh, we might, because we're already serving others, and maybe it feels more comfortable to believe that we have no power to stop rather than believing that we have power and just are unwilling to use it. Where I'm, I'm going with this is that often when we feel like we don't have any power in a situation, when we feel powerless, we, we, we actually have the power to make choices. We just don't like the outcome of those choices. So it's easier to believe that we don't have any power at all. When we're tapped out and it feels like we spend our lives taking care of others, it can be comforting to see ourselves as a powerless victim. And again, there are times when we may be a victim, and, and we'll get to that later. But, but most of the time, seeing ourselves as a victim, it, it feels good, but it's good for us in the same way that, like, peeing your pants makes you warm. Like, that, that good feeling doesn't last too long. That, that's a, I, I totally stole that joke from Nadia Bowles-Weber, by the way. She's way funnier than I am. Here's, here's an example of, of what I mean by that. Uh, as I, I called my friend, because I was just having a hard time working my way through this text, thinking about what to preach on, and we talked about all this stuff, and uh, she told me that uh, when she feels like she has to do all the household chores, like it's just expected of her, it fills her with anger and resentment. She feels unloved and unappreciated. 
But when she can recognize that she actually has the power to make choices, it changes everything. When she thinks, I don't have to do the dishes. I can go to bed. And when my husband gets done with his swing shift, he can do them. Or neither of us will do them, and we'll just have a really gross kitchen. That actually helps her realize that she's in control. She has the power to make choices and is making the choice she wants to because it's what's best for her family. I believe she even said that she even used the word joy to describe a household task that once caused her rage. And, and just personally and, and spiritually, this is a thing that I do a lot. When I feel like I don't have power, I just start going through all my options. And I usually find that I do have choices. I have the power to change things. I just don't want to change things because none of the options are better than the one before me. So that might not change how I behave, but it helps my inner life to just say, I'm in control. I'm choosing to do this. I have the power to do something else. So then how do we identify that power? I mean, I kind of gave an example, and it's sort of where I'm going. In, in the trainings I facilitate, we remind pastors that being in a situation where we feel like we don't have power is different than not actually having any power. And, and yet, yeah, we spend a bit of time, like, you feel anxious. You feel like, I don't, I don't, I don't have any power. But uh, as we work through it, we find that there are often resources we either haven't thought of or just are unwilling to use. So we ask people to think of a situation where they felt powerless. And then we had them work in a group to identify all of the resources they had, whether or not they chose to use them. And usually, people find they have more options. They were just reasons that they didn't use them. And, and I don't know how this kind of exercise will work in your life, but it's, it's helped me a lot to stop, and particularly when I feel like I don't have any power, when I'm in some rough situation, to, to stop and reflect on the power, the choices that I have, and how I'm using it. And there are a couple ways that this has played out. I mean, sometimes I realize I actually have more power than I realize, and I need to use that power to serve. So like the last month, uh, my kid had to stay home from daycare a bunch. And I had to be honest and look at my work flexibility versus my wife's work flexibility so I could see that, yes, this is a hassle for me. But I actually have more power to reschedule than she does. So I need to be just a little bit less selfish and use that power to serve my family. So that's sort of one example. Another time, other times, it can help us see that we have some power but are unwilling to use it. So it, our actions don't change, but our attitudes do. So this would be more like, realizing we have the power to stop cleaning the kitchen, but aren't going to do that because it's kind of the best option, and, and this is actually a thing we want to do to serve our family. And then sometimes this can help us see that we're not actually serving. 
that were being exploited. And I'm gonna, I'll go back to the dishes because it's a pretty kind of safe example. It could be that, you know, in the midst of doing all of the work around the house, and it could be that we, we recognize that our best option is to stop enabling others to take advantage of us and just let the kitchen turn into squalor because that's as bad as that is, that's actually the only way we can disrupt the cycle and renegotiate household roles. Or, or it could be that you realize that you've tried again and again to change things, and this is an unhealthy situation for everyone, and the only power you have is to leave. Whether that's sort of like a relationship, or I mean, I hear that in volunteer situations too, where volunteers are sort of being taken advantage of. And, and if those last few examples feel true, that's actually a great time to see a therapist who can help you think through your options, your resources, and what power you have to change. And, and I know I spent a long time talking about power, actually way more time than I've spent talking about service, which is the point of the passage. I mean, Jesus is telling the disciples that, that power itself doesn't make someone great. Serving others is true greatness. And, and again, I've spent time on power because it's easy to read this as if Jesus is saying power is bad. But that's not in this text, and it's certainly not consistent with how Jesus acts and thinks elsewhere in the Gospels. The kind of service that Jesus is talking about, the type of service that Jesus displays and demonstrates with his life, asks us to use our power for the benefit of others and for the benefit of the world. And that's not easy. I mean, just yesterday, I, was, there was, I don't know what I was doing, but I felt some resentment build in me about something around the house, and then I got annoyed that I was preaching on this, this sermon, because in my head I was like, yeah, but this time I actually am the victim. <laughs> and I knew that wasn't true. It's just hard to face sometimes. I mean, it was hard for the disciples, and it's hard for us. But the good news in all of this is, is that uh, Jesus is not telling us to shy away from our power. Jesus is not disempowering. Jesus always empowers us. At the core, this passage is a reminder that we are capable of using our gifts, our talent, our time, and our love to serve others. Amen.